Hi, welcome to today's episode of uh, the Abbey Normal Podcast. I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Today we actually have a very special episode because for the first time in all of our three seasons, we're actually going to be doing video uh, interviewing today. Yeah, we uh, finally got our Zoom program set up, although we won't be technically using Zoom, but in the future going forward, if we decide to have more guests on the show, we will primarily be doing our interviews or conducting our interviews through Zoom. And today we actually have our very first guest uh, that we ever had for the Abbey Normal Podcast, yep. which I'm very excited about. Is a very good friend of mine that we've known each other for 11 years. We've known each other through the music scene. He is a great guy. He has his own show to call uh, So I've Been Told. And he is a wonderful person. His name is Adam Kramer. Yep. And he wanted to discuss with us about the Sleepaway Camp series. Yeah, so he approached us with the idea of discussing the Sleepaway Camp franchise. There's about four or five films in the franchise. Five. We watched actually the first three over the week. Yeah, that's the only be, three I've ever seen. Yeah, and he'll be giving a little bit more insight as to like what happens in part four and what he likes about it. We haven't really seen it yet, but mm -hmm. we've heard interesting things so far. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I kind of figure much, especially with the Sleepaway Camp series, that it does get a little ridiculous. So he told us the fourth one is just ridiculous for him. Yeah, although before we jump into the interview, I did want to go over some like interesting stuff I've seen. You yeah. and I have watched some interesting stuff together. Yes, we have, actually. Yes. And if you want to say that. I watched Pearl last weekend with mm -hmm. my friend Carolyn. And it's an A24 film. And at this point, I feel like we all know by now how I truly feel about A24 films. Isn't that like Gen Z for horror? Sort of. In a way, it's <clears> like, <throat> I call them the fluff pieces of horror. Yeah, they're like the fluff and utter. Like the, uh, the marshmallow fluff. The pillow princesses of horror. Yeah. <laughs> you even know what a pillow princess is? No, but it doesn't sound good. Oh, so this is a girl who, had, on her perspective of showing what horror is. No. Oh. Okay, quick lesson. So when two women are in a relationship together, uh... sometimes one woman will be the receiver most of the time. And the other one's the catcher. The other one will be the giver. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but there's the, no catcher? But the one who is, that's the receiver. That is the receiver. Okay. Yes. There's, <laughs> there's a giver and there's a receiver in the relationship. Not always. Sometimes mm. people take turns. But in, in a relationship where one woman is the constant receiver, she is considered to be a pillow princess. Huh. Which is an odd term. But that's how I feel of A24 films. They're yeah. all fluff. They're not really a whole lot of substance. Yeah. I'm and Pearl is an interesting movie because it's shot in Technicolor film, kind of the same way that Wizard of Oz was shot. And I feel like if you took out the... like, There's four human kill scenes in this movie. I'm not going to go into detail about it. I'm not going to go into detail about it. But if you took those scenes out, all you have is this beautifully shot movie about... A farmer girl down on her luck wanting to leave her podunk town to become an actress and it's an interesting concept i one i feel that we kind of see before when these types of people are portrayed in the forefront of a drama movie mm -hmm. that's pretty much what this is it's like a horror drama and while i get that some of the murder scenes can be a bit grotesque there really wasn't a whole lot of like horror to it some aspects i kind of saw these kills coming Mm -hmm. It's a very odd movie. I'm going to we'll say it this way. It's an odd fucking movie. And the best way I can say how odd this is without giving too much away, there's a scene in particular that stuck with me. And 
it's when Pearl is riding her bike home from town. She's riding past this cornfield and she stops and sees a scarecrow. She removes it from its post, has a little dance number with it, kisses it, and then dry humps on it. Well, you know, sounds like the American dream. Not exactly, <laughs> but it's just a weird fucking movie. And well, that's what makes it so great then. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. Also, I've never seen the movie X, which apparently Pearl is supposed to be a prequel well, of the movie X. There are some pretty interesting trailers too. And what what else do you want to say that you've seen recently besides the Sleepaway Camp movies? I will say for the show I like on Hulu, Little Demons is really good. Okay. Especially with Danny DeVito and his daughter. I forgot what her name is. And also the woman that played April on Parks and Rec. Aubrey Plaza, I believe her name is. I almost thought you were going to say Aubrey Hepburn, but uh, no. But yeah, no, it's anyway. a it's a great show, and I like it. It's like the uh, the father is Satan, and the mother is a witch, and the mother is trying to keep her daughter away from Satan, but Satan somehow's and, and like finds her and tries to have a relationship with her, mm-hmm. and then she's like a hybrid of both of them, like she's a half demon and also half witch, right? And so. It, it's a wholesome show. <laughs> like, right. it's well, it's pretty fucking disgusting. But other than that, it is pretty fucking good. I actually like it. I yeah. think it's. I think it's great. It teaches you something, especially with each episode they do, like their morals and stuff like that. But also, it's pretty grotesque. I was gonna say, speaking of grotesque shows that make you learn stuff. I swear to God, if you're gonna say what I think you're gonna say, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna fucking say Dahmer, aren't you? You're gonna. Let's be honest. We got a Dahmer fan here. I'm not a Dahmer fan, okay? I am not a Dahmer fan. But we have talked about Ryan Murphy's work in the past. Yes. And I do love his work. What I love about Ryan Murphy as a director and producer is he makes movies and shows that teach you things. Like, when we when we watch some of his stuff, we learn a lot about the LGBTQIA plus community and their struggles. We learn about mental health awareness and issues that associate with... And then we learn about systematic racism, police brutality, just corruption in general. Mm-hmm. It, it His shows are pretty much a learning mechanism for most people. And with Dahmer, it's not only a good show that shows how not only society failed Dahmer's victims, but the way that the justice system them fail to incarcerate him earlier on in his life it also shows you who these victims were as people not just as victims not just as statistics or numbers these were actual living people with lives hopes and dreams and aspirations it's just a sad sad reality that these were real people whose lives got snuffed out way too soon because they met the wrong man Mm-hmm. And like I said, the system failed to protect them because society deems these people unworthy of being a consideration yeah. to look into. And it's just really sad. But I think that's something that we need to learn from the movie or show Dahmer. But let me ask you this. Yes. What do you think of Peter Evans' role as Jeffrey Dahmer? You mean Evan Peters? I think Evan Peters is a phenomenal actor. But what about I- Peter Evans? Who the fuck is Peter Evans? I know you're being funny and joking, but... Actually, no. I really actually thought his name was Peter Evans. Is it really Evan Peters? Look look at this meme I'm finding right now. Look at this. I think we can now all agree that Evan uh, Peters is one of the most talented actors well, of his generation. Well, you hit his name. I didn't see that. I'm sorry. Well, I wasn't even trying to pull it up to talk about it. It's just Evan Peters is a phenomenal actor. And he, he plays a different range of characters. And I mean, in these pictures of this meme that I'm looking at, it's these different pictures of him. Throughout from different his, roles, yeah. From different roles. So this first one I see is 
from his guest starring on an episode of Criminal Minds. Mm -hmm. He played a victim who was abducted by a couple and then he survived throughout his childhood years into his teenage years trying to save the other kids who were kidnapped by this couple. And then you've got Tate from American Horror Story Season 1. Yeah. James Patrick March from Hotel. And then Jeffrey Dahmer from The he, Dahmer Show. He also did he, a great Quicksilver in the X-Men series. Yep. Yeah, which I think he was a great... Yeah, I feel like his character portrayed of uh, Quicksilver was definitely top-notch. Yeah, and I loved his performance in American Horror Story. Like I said, he plays a different range of people. He can be evil, he can be kind, he can be gentle, he can be brutal, he can be sleazy, he can be courteous. You know what I mean? And it's just... This yeah. this entire array of emotions and type, personality types is just amazing to watch him perform. I'm not trying to be funny here, but the way that you were saying all that, you kind of sound like Ryan Reynolds <laughs> being like, I can be good, I can be kind, I like a purple, da 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 da. But no, I think his I think his acting chops are phenomenal. And you know what? And I give him the respect for that because there are stuff that I see him in that I don't like the shows, especially American Horror Story. But I've seen his acting, especially in those movies and those Mm -hmm. shows and movies he's done too. He is fucking phenomenal, and he I feel like he is definitely is a good method actor. I will ask you this though, because his emotions really he puts his emotions out there. I will ask you this, though, because I know you're not technically into true crime, but not. you did watch an episode of Dahmer with Yes, me. I know. I watched the first episode. What did you think of that first episode? I felt like I was lured into a trap. Uh, no, mm-hmm. honestly, though, um, fucking creepy. I've, you know, as, as Jeffrey Dahmer is, I knew who he was definitely growing up yeah. as a kid. And I didn't even like him then because he was a fucking creep. Mm-hmm. So literally just seeing Peter, Evan Peters. Mm-hmm. Portraying as Jeffrey Dahmer, I feel like he did not do wrong in that. And yeah. just making that character so creepy and so dead-eye and, and everything was just perfect. Because you just see the emotion in his face and you ba- practically saw nothing. Yeah. Especially in his eyes. There was no emotion. Yeah, it's like... It was weird to watch, too, because Jeffrey Dahmer was this type of guy who wasn't exactly A-type, wasn't exactly overly masculine. He was just a guy who appeared to be socially awkward around people of all different walks of life. I felt bad for Tracy, for sure. Tracy? The the character who... Yeah. Yeah, the character Tracy. He was brave for what he was doing because he was trying to get his ass out of there. But literally... Just like Jeffrey was like one step ahead of him in some of those parts. And then by the very end, he got him in the face with like getting his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then seriously was defending himself by knocking him out with different weapons and stuff. And yeah. finally got out of there, ran out of the place. And Jeffrey knew that he was in trouble. Oh, yeah. And he should have left because if I was him, I probably would have left. But no. Well, because eventually he would have had to go home. <clears throat> Like, when you watch the Dahmer show, or if you watch, or you know, anything about his life, Jeffrey Dahmer never could really hold down a position. He couldn't hold down a job. He couldn't hold down a living situation. He went from living at home with his parents to living with his grandma to living on his own. And every time he tried to live his own life within the confines of a place that he felt secure with, his his habits got in the way of making it a secure place to live out these fantasies mm-hmm. well if you don't know anything about the Dahmer case and you watch that first episode with his encounter with Tracy it's a very nerve-wracking moment because you don't know if Tracy's going to be the last victim or if he's going to be a surviving victim 
it's a very like tension rising situation. But with that being said, we're going to go ahead and turn to our interview with Adam. Yes, and we're going to have a fun episode today of talking about Sleepaway Camp. So I hope you all love this and enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome to our first ever video podcast for the Abbey Normal Podcast. Our guest today is a very good friend of ours. His name is Adam Kramer. He's from here, but he lives in Syracuse right now. He's a very good friend of mine. We've gone way back, 11 years. I know I said that in the intro yeah. also. Mm-hmm. But how's it going, Adam? It's going all right. I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about these movies. I was about to say, are I you am. as pumped as we are to have you as a guest on our show? I am. And, you know, <laughs> like, I feel like I'm like kind of like, I wasn't like a huge horror movie guy growing up. I was going to ask um, you I, that too. Yeah, like I liked I like horror movies, but I didn't like get into it into it really until the pandemic. Just kind of started watching through all of the the classics, and uh, one of the series that I watched through was was the Sleepaway Camp series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so besides Sleepaway Camp, do you have like any other like favorite like classic horror movies that you watch? Even like even the obscure ones. Yeah, I mean my my favorite series is is the Friday the Thirteenth series. Mm-hmm. Like because I feel like in every single one of those movies, they're all kind of different. Even though there's however many of them, like eight or nine or more yeah yeah um, they all kind of have their own thing going on that makes them interesting even when it's like weird and bad it's always still kind of fun and interesting mm-hmm. yeah so that's like i mean obviously i love the other you know major horror franchises but that's that's the one that like has has my heart what what's Whatever. your favorite subgenre of horror oh, i was gonna say what's your favorite scary movie that's why i thought you were gonna ask no <laughs> I always think it's interesting because everybody, they like horror, it's cool, but there's like other different types of horror subgenres. Like, I like slashers, my sister likes psychological thrillers, Colin likes the campy stuff. I love the campy stuff, and I especially love the universal monster stuff, because that's what I got into as a kid. Because I was weird, because I've been watching scary movies since I was like, what, six, seven? So literally, and I got into the, uh, the universal monsters for the first time. That was my introduction to horror. And then, just like how people got into, like, Ramones for punk rock, they started getting into other subgenres of punk rock. And that's how it was for me. Yeah. I mean, I really, I enjoy, I mean, all of them for different reasons. But I I do really like, like, the slasher genre. Mm -hmm. I I enjoy kind of the, there's a form to it yeah mm-hmm. and it kind of like the, it almost it's it weirdly kind of became a, a like comfort thing like just kind of the repetitiveness of the formula of yeah. the slasher and like especially like for example the friday the 13th movies there's so much interesting things to talk about within those movies too talking about like gender politics and mm-hmm. like obviously lots of sex and stuff and, and oh, yeah. interesting things to talk about like more than just like oh yeah there's titties or whatever like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like they have a rule like, yeah and like yeah. and also to you know shout out to my wife Andrea like I feel like we kind of like a, a part of us is like I feel like the Friday the 13th movies are kind of a part of our I feel like we kind of got to know each other watching those movies you know specifically during the pandemic yeah. Um, and watching them and talking about them and yeah 
It's what brought you guys together. Yeah, we were already together. I know that, but just just it more was a bonding thing. Yeah, and, the bonding. Um, yeah, you know, she she wasn't really into horror movies before mm-hmm. as much, and kind of got into. Well, I mean, really, it started like our mutual friend John King. Yep, John spent a lot of time at my house, and we had watched through the Child's Play movies. Oh, yeah, I could see him um, doing that. Yep, <laughs> and that's and that's John's favorite, and I totally understand why it is, and it's it's great. I love it. But yeah, like, and Andrea just kind of started joining in when John and I would have our movie nights, and. <laughs> So now we're kind of into that, but and also like really interested in the uh, like practical effects. Yes, um, that's what we that's always kind of, liked. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's very much like I think kind of what why the slasher. Another one of the reasons the slasher genre is is one of our favorites because we oh, enjoy yeah. kind of seeing how they and it kind of takes the sting away. It makes things a little less scary when mm-hmm. the whole thing is you're watching it and like thinking about, Oh, like they like had to come up with, you know, the makeup effects or whatever to make this look this way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially and, with a lot of them, like Tom Savini really yeah, helped with a lot of the slasher great. films, especially Friday the 13th. Yeah, and yep. it's interesting, too, because we, we watch um, horror documentaries sometimes, and one of the things they talk about primarily is, like, the practical effects in the 80s movies and how yeah. back then they didn't have any, like, sort of class or schooling for that kind of field. It was just something that they would do and learn from other people doing practical effects yeah. and just picking up, like, tips and tricks on how to, like, replicate blood effects uh, decapitation shots and all this stuff and it was like and just that's like, a really cool way yeah. of learning and just like skin also like they would make the skin the latex skin yeah. so the knife can go through that's how they did it yeah. with yeah. Kevin Bacon in the first movie right oh and Friday the 13th and watching stuff like that is always so interesting because I told I told Colin this one time we were watching a documentary and Tom Savini was talking about his learning process through the industry and I'm like, that's something that I always wanted to do when I was a kid. Yeah. I always like the practical effects of things, and just to do that as a career is very like crafty. And I told her as a joke that Tom Savini actually looks like a Jones. Like she, he looks like he could be in his, in her family because the facial <laughs> he, features. My members of my family have a very distinctive look to them, and it's always like dark hair, this like widow's peak hairline that kind of recedes. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, that looks like your uncle too. He kind of does. Yeah, almost. and your uncle does look like Tom Savini. So I was just like, imagine if your uncle was Tom Savini, you would probably wouldn't even be here, just like you said. I know. I've, I've, <laughs> if Tom Savini was my uncle, I'd be learning under him within a heartbeat. Like, yeah, you'd be, you would like run following away. around him around everywhere he goes. Yeah. Yeah, Apprentice, yes. Yeah, Apprentice. <laughs> it would be fun, though. I mean, it's, no. a cool, it's a cool career path. I will say, too, yeah. that I love about slasher films is that it, it could be about different things. Like, you can have different themes. You can have holiday slashers. You can have, there's Halloween, there's Christmas, there's leprechauns. There's, oh my God. like, everything that you can think of. That's so great about the slasher films because you can... Like, break the rules differently. You can make different storylines. You can make, like I said, holiday themes. You could do whatever you want in a slasher film. It'll still be great. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's um, it's just a, a really fun, interesting art form. And like I said, yeah. I, I enjoy the uh, kind of repetitive nature of and, and kind of the, the uh, kind of think of the word. But, like, just, just kind of there's, there's, there's certain beats to slasher movies that 
you know, obviously it, it veers off, but there's, it's still, it's, it's almost kind of similar. They all kind of have follow a similar path. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, you know, kind of like a comfort thing. You kind of know what you're going to get. And then also, you know, when, when it does surprise you, yeah, it's, it makes it even more impactful. So, yeah, that's why I like the fear street movies because those were, They they had that formula that follows slasher movies, but then they threw in these twists and turns that you never saw coming. Kind of going back to like the practical effects or the creative effects. I don't know. Have you seen the Fear Street? I have. Yeah. Okay. So that bread slicing scene in the market, they didn't actually think that that was going to work. Like the director, she wanted that scene to be in the movie, but the director of the art department was like, "That's not possible." Like, oh a head going through a bread slicer is not going to work. So they brought a watermelon and a bread slicer to disprove her theory and it ended up working. So they, they put that in the scene. So I was like, that's a really creative way of going about it. And with a character like Kate, who became not only a very like strong female character, but she was the kind of character that people thought was going to survive the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up getting killed by a bread slicer, which was something you never saw coming. Exactly. Which is amazing. Yeah. But, and it just, it gave me like Mythbusters vibes when yeah. you said that to like test that out. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know they've, I feel like they've done like series on Mythbusters or at least like an episode where they've like, cause I know they did the, uh, they tested out the, the, the kill in Jason X where he oh. like puts the head and the, the head gets frozen. I know they, tested that out i don't i don't remember if it was a full episode that they did like horror movie kills or Mm. or what but that's somewhere out there that'd be really cool if they did i will say my favorite one it's always been number four but number six jason lives is a really good one because it does have those like monster universal vibes to it especially when they brought jason back to life in the grave yeah and i i i love i love jason x like, oh really? I realize that it's a bad, that it's like not a good movie. But I was it's gonna like, say you're the first person to say that. <laughs> just found a lot that I enjoyed in it because it is kind of over the top and silly. Yeah. And also, I love Jason Takes Manhattan once again because it's so silly. Right. Yeah. Um, oh my god. And it's not. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was just gonna. I'm sorry. I don't mean. I wasn't trying to interrupt or anything. But my favorite scene in in Jason Takes Manhattan is when the the guy was trying to fight him on the rooftop, and yeah. he was like trying to kick him and everything, and he was like giving him all he got, and then Jason just knocked his block off like killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> yeah. It's that's like honestly that's one of the one of my favorite um, Friday the Thirteenth kills is is that one. That's kind of my background with with uh, kind of getting into horror um, and slashers more specifically. Uh, you know, it's really over the last two years, and yeah. you know, it's, uh, uh, I'm uh, very into it now. So. I'm just so happy we can share this together. Like, we yeah, shared yeah. other things in the past, but you and me, now we can, us, we can have I this know, horror right? thing now. You yeah. know? Yeah. We can be horse, horrors together. It's <laughs> funny, because it's, it's kind of a long-running joke on the podcast, because I don't emphasize the extra R in horror. <laughs> so sometimes it sounds like I'm saying horror, and I'm like, I have to emphasize that now. But... So I'm like horror, not whore, horror. <laughs> And uh, but it was just so funny. It's just like if you liked uh, the Friday the Thirteenth movies, I think you would love the band, the Jasons, 
because yeah I, I know about them i haven't seen them yeah. but i'm i'm definitely aware of them and i know like and we played with them before grease creepers did yeah yeah we yeah, yeah we love them they're so good yeah well she, she doesn't like them i do i've never i mean i've seen colin's band play numerous times but there's like always occasionally the one show that i miss and that was the one show that i missed <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah They've been they've been playing a lot with uh, another band that you and I have talked about. Colin is the Huntingtons. Yes, which um, they kind of like, like embody them. Yeah. Yeah, they they've been like uh, playing like touring and playing a lot of shows together. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, we could we could go off on a tangent with this conversation. But, yeah. I mean, the Huntingtons they kind of all grew up in that scene. I don't mm. think any of them really. Like, I don't know it. where any of them are like personal whatever if they still are Christians or not. But I know they're all kind of like. I don't think they look at that band as being a Christian band. Yeah. Um, they just kind of ended up in that scene. It's not like but, they wrote a song like Jesus did the pogo or something. No, they didn't. Right. Yeah. But but uh, we'll we'll leave the punk rock talk for yeah. another another podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Wow. That's for sure. Yeah. Especially if I'm a we'll, guest on your show again. But yes, no. We'll go yeah. ahead and get into the sleepaway camp then. Yes, because since you are a big fan of Friday the 13th and summer camp theme flashers, we will go into summer camp. I mean, sleepaway camp, sorry. So usually what I like to do is I like to kind of give a little bit of a rundown about the movie. Uh, so yeah. for, the first Sleepaway Camp movie was released on November 18th, 1983. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Robert Hiltzik, and it stars Felissa Rose, which is her film debut for this mm-hmm. movie. Yep. Uh, Jonathan Tiersten, Karen Fields, Paul D'Angelo, and Catherine Kamhai. I think that's her last name. It's K-A-M-H-I. Yeah. Okay. I think it's yeah. camp. And then, like, the brief synopsis I've got, it goes, A young girl is sent to a summer camp that becomes the site of a series of murders shortly after her arrival. I thought this one was, like, really good for what it, for, like, a campy kind of movie. And it's definitely got that big twist at the end that Angela was really And every, it's what made the movie so famous. Yes. You know. Yeah, I mean, and even, like, when I, by the, like, when I watched it, like I hadn't seen it before mm-hmm. within the last couple of years, but like it's, it's kind of like I I knew the ending of that before you know, <laughs> before, before you I watch it. Movie. So you know it's you know it's kind of it's a well known twist now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Psycho. Like I just watched Psycho recently. I think like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> And I already know what the plot twist was going into it, so watching it and then knowing what was going to happen at the end, I was kind of surprised that nobody really picked up on, like, the little inconsistencies with the story behind Norma Bates. So this was just an even more interesting kind of twist, where it's never really addressed what happened to Peter, just that supposedly Peter died, but Angela is here, yeah. so it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a... There's so many weird things about this movie. Mm-hmm. And the Aunt Martha character oh is she's so off the wall. Yes. And, <laughs> yes. And interestingly, like I feel like you start the movie, you know, you see the opening part with the boat and then you see the scene with Aunt Martha and then it does like while it is like weird and absurd, mm-hmm. like you kind of get sucked into the world of the of the summer camp yeah um and you kind of forget about this insane lady um that's you know in there like at you know 
like second scene of the movie. Yeah. Right. That just all I could think of is this movie is the most extra movie I've probably ever seen. I mean, I've seen a lot of extra like horror films, but this one, especially with the acting and some of the overacting too, especially with the girl screaming and the aunt acting very eccentric the way she is. I was just like, wait, what the hell's going on? Like, just like, it's just like off the wall. It's like Animaniacs trying to do a horror movie. That's what it feels like. I did pull a couple like interesting behind the scenes facts. Like some behind the scenes stories tell like mixed reviews of how people uh, felt working in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, So during their time on set, Willie Keskin, who was uh, one of the bullies in the movie, was actually bullied himself on set. Oh my god. Yeah, and then one of the other actors, uh, Frank Trent Saladino, uh, would step in and intervene if things got a little too crazy with the bullying. Yeah. But then Felissa, Karen Fields, and Catherine Kamhai all became very close during production. And Catherine even said once during an interview that the scene where her and Karen throw Angela in the water... She said that was kind of hard to shoot because she's like, because we all got so close at that point as friends and we didn't want to like bully Felissa, but we had to because of the movie and it's... You didn't want to hurt her, yeah. Yeah, it's like everybody had these different experiences working on set. And Felissa, I think, was like 13 when this movie was made. Really? Yeah. She's the youngest cast member on set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. James Earl Jones' brother is is one of the cooks. Wait, really? Really? What? Yeah. uh, Robert Earl Jones. He's the guy that says, well, the, I mean, there's the the real gross cook. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That is him. But, like, the other guy, he's the the guy that's like, they're too young to even know what didn't even understand what's going on in your mind. Yeah, oh, wow. Yes, that's him. Oh my god, Holy I forgot about shit. that. Oh that's James Earl Jones' brother. Oh my god. That is so cool. That blows my mind. And I thought I knew uh, all about this. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. But my favorite scene definitely is the baseball scenes. Especially with all the kids just talking shit to each other. Because it just reminds me of me growing up with my brother's friends. And all of them, they were in Little League together. And they would do the same shit. They would all talk shit to each other. be like trying to hit the fucking ball or like whatever yeah. shit like that my favorite line still is the uh um eat shit and die where he said eat shit and live i thought that yeah. was like the coolest line ever <laughs> it was such a burn yeah it's that's hilarious and also it is it's so long yeah what the movie no the just the baseball scene oh yeah it was very long yes. almost longer than any scene like that would even need to be but kind of going along with what you were saying about the kids yelling insults and you know obviously it's silly but it it almost adds an element of reality to it um because kids do say weird things and combine all sorts of obscenities together and like it seems i feel like a lot of times in movies, it doesn't capture the way kids actually talk to each other. Yeah. Uh, and, like, this one kind of does. Because, like, especially, like, teenage boys, like, cuss up a storm and say and cuss in weird ways. Yeah. Um, and so in that way, it kind of does feel real. Another movie that I think really did that well. Did you guys see Super Dark Times? No. no, it's definitely it's uh, it's a within the last couple of years, okay. but it, it's okay. I mean, it's not a it's not a slasher. It's more like a psychological type of movie. Um, but that's a that's like a perfect example of like 
the kids in that movie talk like a real group of kids would talk. Same um, same thing I got that with both movies I've watched. Summer of 84, which came out a couple years ago, and that was a good slasher movie, and those kids... That was could, better than we expected it to be, for sure. I thought yeah. it was going to kind of... It, it had an interesting kind of twist to it. Yeah, and the yeah. talking was just like, they were totally relatable of how you talk, especially in the 80s, and also uh, Monster Squad, too. Monster Squad, those kids yeah. in there, they're just ridiculous with their talking, but I felt like that's what kids sounded like in middle school in 87. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because another thing I had written down was Jonathan Tiersten was given the role of Ricky after an unusual audition in which Robert Hiltzik asked Tiersten to curse him out during his audition. <laughs> really? Which I was like, that's a pretty interesting way to go about auditioning for a certain role. Yes. Yeah. I wish I got my yeah. jobs that way. <laughs> Do you guys have a, a favorite kill in this movie? Ooh. You know, we actually did something like that in a previous episode. I don't know if I still have my note for it, but yeah, I think um, my favorite scene from that, was it the curling iron scene? Was it the curling iron? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was a, it was a creative kill, but it was really bizarre. And I'm like, uh, oh, that's I'm really trying, weird. I'm trying to remember what the kills were in that one. Because I know it's been a while for me since I watched it. But I think definitely, I think I talked about the kitchen one. Um, oh, yeah. The, yeah. Well, and actually, you know, I, this is just fresh in my mind. I've watched some some recap videos. Because I guess I didn't have time to watch the rewatch the whole movie this week. But um, yeah. we don't know that he actually dies. Oh, the cook? Yeah. Oh, that's um, interesting. Like, he gets covered in burns. But you don't. And this is, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll credit, I, I watch the, uh, I watch, sometimes I watch the Dead Meat videos that James A. Janice does. Yeah, we do too. And, we love uh, that. He didn't count that as a kill because he didn't see that he definitely was dead. He probably just was disfigured and had boils all over his body, which is... Yeah, now he's scarred for life. Gross, which I mean is, yeah. it's, you know, fitting because he's gross, a gross human being in the movie, so... And there, there so, always seems to be that character in every one of these movies. Because when we were watching part three, uh, one of the counselors, Herman, the old man, was having sex with one of the campers. Who, like She was a teenager. Yeah, and it was so awkward and cringy to watch. I was like, ooh, I don't like this. It's so creepy. I'm like, wow, so yeah. this is what camp's like. Okay. <laughs> and that's another There's interesting... Her. Oh, good. Sorry. It was, it was funny because like Kyle and I were talking about it because he was like, "There's so many." He's like, "Every camper movie has like a lot of sex scenes in it between like the other campers or counselors yeah. in the movie." And I'm like, "Well, you got to think back to that time too. Nowadays, if you were to go to camp and try to like hook, I don't up. Know, hook up, you wouldn't have any like digital proof of that happening. You would just have those little memories of camp." Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And then you go back home and then you forget like it ever happened. But, you know, that that was it just seems to me like that seems to be like the culture of summer camp, yeah. especially in the 80s. Yeah. Like that. It's not, that was Everyone went to camp in the 80s. And that was like, yeah, well, especially, I mean, it, it kind of goes along with this era of like slasher films as well. I mean, they, you know, it's not necessarily it's I'm not saying this is it's a good thing, but they were very much targeting young dudes Mm-hmm. who wanted to see sex and violence. Right. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we really see that in 2 and 3, where they really went way over the top with the TNA. Yes, they did. Uh, there was a lot of acid titties. 
<laughs> oh my god especially in the second I mean, one i mean obviously the the twist ending is we could talk there's lots that could be said about it mm-hmm. um, yeah because it's very famous without doubt I, and i i almost i don't want to i don't want to say too much just because i am not a trans person yeah it's a weird it, it's like weird and sends some but also too i mean really angela was like kind of forced to be that um mm-hmm. She didn't want to be. But either way, either way, you know, it, it's the you know, shitty that her character is, you know, that that that's you know the way that it's portrayed in the movie. But yeah. that, I mean, that end shot of her face is, oh yeah, iconic and inc- and ridiculous and incredible of the freeze frame of her face. Mm-hmm. That um, that face haunts me. It really haunts my dreams. Like, not her, but just her face alone. Just seeing that face, I'm like, I don't even want to go over to her. Yeah, it's, it was a really interesting scene because we kind of see Angela throughout the movie kind of take interest in a boy, kind of the way the other girls at camp are. But, you know, so when we see that ending where she's sitting on the beach and she has decapitated that boy's head off and then yeah. she's just... And she had a crush on, too. Yeah, and it was just interesting. And then to kind of see her kind of transition as a young woman in the other two parts, it's even more interesting because now she's fully accepted this role that her aunt kind of forced her to be. Yeah, and she didn't want to, yeah. She didn't want to, but she accepts it. Mm-hmm. And then she assumes the Angela Baker, not role, but person that she again was forced to be and she had to even change her name so you know so people wouldn't even know who she was especially from the first movie yeah which i find is interesting too because it's like she changed her surname in the second movie to get the job at the camp which i thought was pretty interesting yeah which is very intriguing Mm -hmm. i I feel like two and three are are not i mean obviously the you know that twist is already done so if you're watching the second and third movie you you know that um Angela is trans mm-hmm. um, and it's not really about it's not really about that at this point she's more just kind of like like morality police um, yeah. you know yeah. killing kids doing drugs and having sex much you know much like a Jason movie <laughs> right she's pretty much what Jason would be if Jason could talk if all those things that she was saying, that would be Jason saying the same thing like, don't do sex, or like, and then chop their head off. Right. Which I think is an interesting motive to want to kill people, especially at a summer camp. Um, And it's actually kind of going back a bit to the first movie. I found this piece of information I figured Colin would like. Um, But this film and Friday the 13th inspired Weird Al Yankovic's song, Nature Trail to Hell. Yeah, it came from uh, from Sleepaway nice. Camp and Friday the Thirteenth. Yep. Which you know I love Weird Al, so this is perfect yep. for me. Well, Weird Al is excellent. Speaking of other legends, we've got the boss's sister as. Yep. You know what's so funny? <laughs> Here we go. I knew this was gonna happen. You want to know what's so funny? So Colin was annoying the shit out of me with that little fact, and he's like. When we were watching part two, he's like, you know who that is? I'm like, no. He's yeah. like, that's Bruce Springsteen's sister. And I was like, okay. That's Pamela Springsteen. And he kept mentioning it throughout the 
second and third movie. She from Freehold, New Jersey. <laughs> and then the the final girl, Molly, in part two, I think, her father is Martin Sheen. So Okay, wow. He yeah. kept pointing that out to me too. So he's like, You know who her father is? I'm like, You know no. who her brothers are? <laughs> like, well, no, because all he had to say was, Her her father is Martin Sheen. I would have known who that was. He's like, Yeah, her brothers are. And I'm like, I know who Charlie Sheen yeah. she is. Was, she's like, like, We got the shit, Colin. <laughs> this is like everyone, like, it's, it's none of the actors in this movie are big stars, but. A no. bunch of them are like come from siblings of yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. Pamela Springsteen plays Angela, and Renee Estevez plays Molly, who's our final girl. Yeah, yep. And oddly enough, there's like two young boys on the cast. They're like the two youngest boys in the camp. Their names are Charlie and Emilio. Yeah, which I was the... like, <laughs> I was like, wow. I think all of the names of the characters in two and potentially three as well are named after like eighties actors. Yeah, yeah, from all I, like the Brat Pack and stuff. Yeah, I, I'll, yeah. Wrote, I wrote that down too. Yeah, um, which is so funny. I was just like, you were telling me that, and I was like, you know, that actually really makes a lot of sense because yeah, they kept the names, saying their names. The yeah. names of the campers all named after members of the nineteen eighties Brat Pack. So there was a character named Judd after Judd Nelson. Anthony after Anthony Michael Hall. Our final girl Molly is named after Molly Ringwald. So it was like that was an interesting, you know, connection. Do the TC one. Oh yeah, the the camp counselor TC stood for Tom Cruise. Yeah, which I thought was really <laughs> odd. And I even wrote down here, unlike Colin, Pamela never told anybody that Bruce Springsteen was her brother. And some cast and crew members found out years after production. Yeah. Oh my God. That's and even so funny. Both. Both the second and third movie were shot in six weeks, like back to back, yeah. which is even more interesting. I don't know. I could just see Bruce just being like, yeah, that's my sister in the movie. She's the one that kills everyone. She wanted to do that I to me growing her up. her performance is, other than there's some cool creative kills. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Two and three. That's what um, we talk about. The story is almost non-existent. Right. Um, there's there's not very much to it, but the kills are cool. Um, the kills are I think, great. Yeah, and I think I think that um, Pamela's performance is memorable. Like, yeah. I, like I think she plays it well. But yeah, I mean, I really liked that flagpole kill. In, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my god, that was um, pretty good. And the lawn lawnmower kill. And I know that both of those. I know that both of those were kind of cut down a lot by the MPAA. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they still, you know, they still came out pretty cool yeah. yeah they basically put like 10 seconds or 5 10 seconds within those kills so like they could actually put them in the movie yeah and i'm trying to think of which were my favorite in both part two and three definitely in the second movie there was some really good kills in that one i think my favorite one with the second one is when the girl gets shoved down into the toilet hole and there's the <gasps> oh, leeches and everything yeah. that's a good oh, one. Oh my god that mm-hmm. was disgusting yeah it was creative but it was disgusting I've never seen anyone do that in a slasher movie. Just put someone down a hole and just have like poop and pee all over them with leeches on their faces. It was so gross. Oh my god. Also, that second one is that... Chris Jericho's favorite slasher movie. I thought you would enjoy really? that. Yeah, that's yeah. Chris Jericho's favorite sec- uh, slasher so, movie. I mean, okay. That's <laughs> your choice. Like, who I know. is. Like, I, I'm not. Yeah. I, I can't imagine either of the. like second or third or or the fourth being anyone's favorite movie no although, i wouldn't think so although did you guys you guys didn't end up getting around to watching return to sleepaway camp did you no, no we, we we haven't okay. found a way yeah, to watch it we haven't found a way to watch it yeah but yeah 
I did have a lot of fun watching two and three. I thought they were very fun, very that, quirky. That's what makes them so the, great. The kills were very, very creative, and mm. I thought that it had a good flow to it. Some of the like, dialogue was a little ugh. Especially some of the dialogue, with, especially little... with the third one. The third one's dialogue was just ridiculous because it's oh, just yeah. like basically they're like doing racial slurs to each other, and especially the kid with the boombox. He really didn't say much oh, except yeah. for like what or put the gun into someone's face or just like i thought that was very interesting because yeah. up until that point in the movie or even in the whole franchise we haven't seen a gun scene like that happen of course they yeah. had to Every, give it to him. everything has been creative whether it was strangulation yeah stabbing electrocution of some kind it's just it's all been creative and then the gun comes out and it's like whoa we did we even forgot we that those things existed even angela saw the gun she's like Okay, I'm not doing this. And yeah. walks out. It's like you're cleaning the fish. <laughs> she saw that and was like, "Nope." And then yep. dipped. <laughs> and you know what? She basically yeah. told the future of the movie, "Nope," <laughs> when she said, "Nope." <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of jumping back to the the first movie. I see there, and and maybe it's just kind of the humiliation thing, but mm-hmm. like, there's there's an element of it that reminds me of Carrie a little bit. Yeah. Not not in tone, but no. just in kind of like the, just the just character, kind of like needlessly like picking on her mm-hmm. and and unfortunately also sexually assaulting her. Like it's just like nothing good is happening to Angela for the entire film and even and at least in Carrie there's like a a bit of revenge um oh yeah but like there's not you don't really have that I mean obviously she's you know there's no like big revenge kind of ending obviously she's you know she's killing people along the way but it's not yeah um not really the same and and kind of i mean i I can talk some about return to sleepaway camp which is a movie that it is so terrible right (laughs) describe how terrible (laughs) and i I feel bad that if you guys are going to watch it that i'm gonna ruin the surprise that's okay yeah we don't care we're gonna watch it anyway i was saying earlier how odd of a movie pearl was just to kind of give an idea of how odd that movie was there's a scene where the titular character Pearl comes across a scarecrow and she takes it down from its post, does a little dance number with it, makes out with the scarecrow, and then proceeds to dry hump on the scarecrow. Which is an odd thing to watch. Sounds very very, arousing. It's very unsettling, but that's just how odd that movie was. Now I want to watch it. (laughs) I think you would like it. It's very, like, it's all shot in Technicolor, so it's very artsy, but it's like... It's like... It's like Psycho meets like Wizard of Oz meets yeah. Gen Z generation type stuff. I wouldn't I wouldn't say Gen Z, but it's definitely Wizard of Oz meets Psycho. Yeah, I def I definitely want to see it. Return to Sleepaway Camp. It is a direct sequel to the original. The like guy who wrote the original wrote it, and also uh, Felicia. I can't remember her last name. Came uh, back. Felissa Rose, I think is her name. Rose, yeah. yeah, I like Felicia better. <laughs> and also, um, uh, Paul D'Angelo is also in this movie. That's as right, well, he is. With his ginormous bulge, uh, once again in those very tight shorts. Uh. That's what I was going to say about Sleepaway Camp. It's all about the shorts. Like, there's so yeah. many booty shorts. As well as uh, Isaac Hayes plays the chef. No. In Return to Sleepaway Camp. What? Are you serious? Yeah, it's very random. And also, I mean, it's funny because he's chef on South Park. Yeah, so the the, main 
That's crazy. kid in the movie that is is just like the name of his character is Alan, and he's like the most unlikable character Aww. ever. Like, really? it, it's like one of those where it's like we don't you don't really know who to like because he's just like he's being picked on relentlessly, but he's also just like obnoxious and being an asshole to everyone as yeah. well. Makes sense. Um, and he's like maybe one of the most hateable characters in any movie ever. Oh wow! Um, and that's like kind of the whole front end of the movie. And and there's like a, a small scene um, where you see these police officers, and one of them is very obviously it's very obviously a woman with real bad makeup on. Oh. Like, it doesn't look good, and she talks with like one of the things that you put up to your neck, like if you. have Oh, you know, yeah. don't have a voice for smoking anymore. Yeah. But it's like, you see her for a very short amount of time. And then, you know, you see all the stuff with Alan and you're like, ah, oh, this movie sucks. I hate this kid. And then as it gets to the end and he is not the main focus anymore and mm-hmm. you're, you know, kind of seeing everyone get killed, the kills are all really interesting and creative. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, and also Ricky, the the kid who played Ricky in the first movie came back as well. Really? Um, Yeah. And long story short, the end of the movie comes and you find out that Angela was, you know, the one doing all the killing as she is in all of these movies. (laughs) But she was the cop with the terrible makeup and the the oh. voice changer thing, and it's really? so dumb. It's so <laughs> ridiculously stupid. Oh, um, wow. But for some reason, like when we watched it, I like completely forgot about that that character, and they like it was the dumbest twist ever and yet they totally got me like i didn't see it coming um and maybe that's my own stupidity um but like now all i like when i think about that movie i mostly forget about how terrible the whole first half of it is and i think about how cool the like i remember the kills being interesting and kind of cool and also just like and also, I mean, you know, full transparency, I, I also was most definitely um, partaking in marijuana as I was watching the movie. But, of course you should. Like, yeah. So, like, by the end of it, when the twist is revealed, I just laughed so much because they, they totally fooled me with this, like, very very stupid twist <laughs> um so I, i'm interested because because it is like such a weird like i mean i only know of one other person who's actually watched this movie and i've talked about it with and that's uh who's that? that's uh also our mutual friend travis and yeah. um and you know he all he remembered of that movie is that it is is a giant turd but like <laughs> i I love the ending of the movie because they got me, even though it's the dumbest, the dumbest twist. I've and you just seen. feel so dumb for even falling for it, right? Yeah. Like you're just yeah. like, and why like, did this happen? Yeah, and so I, I'm excited for like somewhat like I want to hear somebody's reaction to it now. Mm. That obviously, when you guys watch it, you'll know the ending. Yeah, but I'm, I'm excited to like 
hear like like John Kiss hasn't watched it yet, right. and maybe he'll listen to the podcast. So I don't, you know, maybe he'll he'll get the surprise ruined as well. But yeah, like, right. I sometimes, despite the fact that it's a slog to watch the first half of it, I want to watch it with people who don't know the twist and see if they're as dumb as I was. And yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, like that. I had a great time watching that movie, despite the fact that it is absolute garbage. But that's right. what's great about movies like that. Even though they're complete garbage with a lot of things inside the movie, they're so entertaining to watch. It's like you can't turn away. It's like watching The Room, but a horror movie. Oh, my God. The yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I think there's yeah. some horror movies that, like, you can have fun watching, and then, like, there's some movies, like, for me, there's a few movies that come in mind that I watch that just make me absolutely frustrated to watch them. And then <laughs> like there's good horror movies that truly make me scared to watch them, which is what I hope to feel when I finish watching a horror movie. But like, if I can at least have fun watching it, like these movies were fun to watch, um, then I, I'll accept it. But like, um, what was I going to say? I, I mean, I had fun watching parts two and three. Yeah. I seen the first one years ago, mm-hmm. and it was really fun to watch, too. And I wasn't expecting the twist so much at the end of the first one when I first watched okay. it. Yeah. So when I saw it, I was like, wow. That is... I was not really seeing it coming that much. So mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. But I'll have to check yeah. out part four now. Yeah, I don't yeah, really... I, I want to check I, it out. I, like I said, I, I recommend it if you are down for sitting through the the bad parts to get to the cool kills and mm-hmm. the the ridiculous twist and and maybe i completely ruined it for you now cuz yeah. you'll know but you're fine just imagine completely forgetting about that character and then the end of the movie happened i'll just pretend you never talked about this with us and i'll just go into it as like a person never seen this and yeah. It almost sounds like the way you described it, it almost reminds me of um, Pamela Voorhees in the first Friday the 13th movie. Mm-hmm. Like, we never see her until the last scene in the movie where she makes yeah. her entrance and then it's revealed she's the killer. You know, it's like you didn't think that she was the killer until, like, it's revealed. And so. I was going to say one more thing, too, because you know how with um, Freddy versus Jason, when they were always, like, in movies together and stuff and everything... This was way before that. This was like in 88 in the second movie. They had oh, yeah. uh, the Jason and Freddy together, but it was the kids. And she basically yeah. tarnished them and those characters. And her mask that she took off the kid's face almost looked like a Michael Myers mask. Yeah. You, no, you said that when we were watching that scene. And I'm like, no, I'm like, that's a Firefly move. From oh, House the, of a Thousand Corpses. That too. So oh, basically yeah. this movie, Bill, especially the sequel, is innovative. Bill Mosley's <laughs> character, Otis Driftwood, does that in all three movies, I think. Where he'll kill a person, yeah. he'll skin the face off, or yeah, skin off their faces. Yeah, it's like the Chainsaw or, Massacre too, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Which that was before that, but yeah. Right. But I thought that was really interesting too. That was like... You know, she not only killed both of these kids who were trying to scare her. As Freddie and, first, but, and Freddie and Jason. But she wore one of their faces like a mask, which is yeah. <laughs> really iconic. 
I rather be more scared of Angela than those than Freddie or or Jason or Michael or any of them because she's freaking real and right. she will come up yeah. with some lavish you know scheme or whatever and just yeah she makes Macaulay Culkin look like a good kid. Well, it's interesting too because like in the third movie, um, the way she kind of goes to each like group of campers and t- takes them out one by one is really interesting. Because once they first separate the groups of three, she's with her group with that Herman counselor character, the one that creeps me out. Um, <laughs> and she kills all of them within, like, one day. And then she goes to the next one and says, oh, I'm supposed to switch with another camper. And then she'll walk that person back to the previous camp and then kill them there and then come back and then start picking everybody off. Yeah. Which I thought yeah. that was an interesting way to kind of pace the movie. But even, like, that beginning of the third part where she kills that one girl just to steal her identity. In and the then, city. Yeah. Which yeah. I was like, what an... her over with a truck. Yeah. Right. I'm like, what an odd way to start the movie. And then what an even odder way or reason to kill her is because she's one of the campers. And, and did you notice that no one notices in the city either? Like, this person just going ape shit in the car, chasing her down, and no one in the city is like, oh, look at this random giant-ass truck just chasing this woman down. What, wonder what's gonna she happen. Kind of, she kind of broke the rule there, because that, like, the girls that she killed that, like, didn't... that she took her identity, like, she hadn't done anything at all, did she? Like, not that I remember. No. no she, she was just trying to take her yeah. place. Yeah, because she... That girl got up that morning and she said to her mom, she's like, I'm going to camp. And mom's like, bye. Yeah. And did you? And she, yeah. she grabbed her bag, her sleeping bag, and walked to the bus stop. And then along the way, she starts getting chased <laughs> by this truck. I mean, maybe maybe Angela knew about something she had done before the movie started. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they do a little. You got like, something um, there. Yeah. They do a little news report when they get to the camp and. It's so interesting because the the news reporter is showcasing, like, what these counselors are here for and what this project is. And it's to mix, like, upper rich society kids with lower income, like, kids and see if they can, like, learn to coexist together. Something like that. And then once the the reporter starts mentioning the murders that happened in the previous movie is when people start to get a little iffy like one of the yeah. counselors i think it's the woman the woman the one who's running out. Yeah, yeah she starts to freak out because she's like i didn't want people knowing that murders had taken place she was here. basically talking yeah. to her before this basically saying like we weren't supposed to talk about this you made a deal yeah and i think so i think angela must have known that this was going on but yeah. prior to all this yeah and she was hiding definitely for sure when she heard of all, all this and that's why mm-hmm. she kept the glasses on Especially once you saw the cop. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that was the, the father of the kid from the second movie. Yep. Yeah. Now, have you guys? Um, oh, I didn't mean. I don't mean to like jump away from from Sleepaway Camp. I was just going to ask. Uh, yeah, no, go ahead. How are you guys? Are you guys excited about Halloween ends? Did you guys like Halloween Kills? Yes it's, and no. Well, it's interesting because I went to go see Halloween Kills as like my bachelorette party. Yeah. So I went with a group of people, and I thought it was interesting. It was. But... Everybody that I went with didn't think it was that great. Um, and then when we went to, when Carolyn and I went to go see Pearl, they played the Halloween Ends trailer, and she's like, I can't wait. And I'm like, but I thought you didn't like Halloween Kills. She's like, I just want, like, closure. 
if if any like <laughs> just want them to be done that's all but i think that like the the problem that a lot of people have with halloween ends or not ends but halloween kills is that it wasn't marketed the way that it really was because mm-hmm. a lot of people were anticipating it to be like a huge showdown between Lori and Michael and it ended up not being that at all. So yeah. I thought it was interesting, but I think if they had explained that a little bit more in the trailers and especially like the marketing leading up to the release, it probably would have been received a little bit different, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it just made it people seem like Lori was going to be a more prominent character and she kind of wasn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I I went into it with very low expectations. I'm also not the biggest fan of the Halloween series. I mean, I like some of them, um, but it's just not like my favorite. So like, I kind of went in with low expectations, and I really did enjoy. Um, it had very. It was it was much more graphically violent than I expected, and yeah. I appreciated yes. that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like those too. Yeah, in, in a weird way. Um, so yeah, I, like I'm, I'm excited to see Halloween ends. Um, I would like to see how just, it does end. Yeah, if it does, um, at all. I did think of another uh, of my favorite kind of more obscure uh, movies. Have you guys seen the Mutilator? No. Yeah, you know, I've heard of the Mutilator. I've never seen I, it. It's it's another one that it's very very weird like campy yeah um but like I I don't know I I can't like even really describe it like if you guys aren't watching anything like, you guys should watch that movie like immediately the mutilator I think um, it's on one of the streaming and, services actually I'll have to check I, it out it is it's definitely it's definitely on Tubi because I yes. like. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I figured. So Andrea and I a couple weeks ago went away, um, met up with you know some friends of ours at an Airbnb, and we kind of were like, oh yeah, let's watch, you know, let's watch horror movies that are kind of like about like you know, one was I don't remember what it was called. It was called the I think it was maybe the guest. It was a newer one. It's on mm. Netflix. Oh okay. Um, it, it was basically about people that were staying at an Airbnb. Um, And then we, and then we watched, we showed the mutilator to our friends because we were like, you guys have to see this. It's so good. Um, And and so I I did just re like, I think that was like two, three weeks ago, rewatched the mutilator. And it is, it's, it's a very, very strange movie. Yeah. Very uh, very sick. Yeah. I'm excited to hear, like if you guys do watch it, I'm excited to hear what you guys think of it because it is hilarious and and very strange. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of those slasher movies are for sure. Especially um, there was a movie I watched because we have Shutter and I love Shutter. It's so good. Um, I there's a movie that's called The Butcher, The Baker, The um, oh, what is it called? The Butcher Baker, The Night Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Yes, yeah. you know about that. Okay. There's, that had a, it had a different name as well. Yes, it does. Um, I don't remember what its other name was. It's a um, shorter name. Yeah. 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 But that um, movie's intense. And, like, with everything from the uh, dialect um, to, like, they're kind of basing the story based off one of uh, Shakespeare's uh, plays, especially okay. with the relationship yeah. with the son and the aunt and stuff. And she was having, like, this weird fatuation with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember 
I don't remember it very well, but I definitely yeah. it's it's a movie I definitely watched last year, but mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. one that I I don't remember that I'm sure if I read a plot synopsis I would some of it would come back. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me, like I'm kind of on the same boat where you are with horror. Like I never really fully got into it until I started dating Colin. Hi. And we've been together for eight years, but prior to dating him, the most I've ever watched of horror were the, you know, classics, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. Um, never really watched the Universal Monster movies, but I was aware of, like, other types of movies, too. And then I really got into the horror movie remakes, which were, for yeah. me, for me, a little bit more interesting than the originals. And then... Yeah. Once I started dating Colin, he kind of introduced me to a little bit more of other horror movies. So Especially the 80s stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you can yeah, say that. For the most part, yeah. But What's your favorite remake? My favorite? Rob Zombie's yeah. Halloween. Interesting. Because I feel like a lot of people don't like the Rob Zombie Halloween movies. No. Like, a I didn't really of, like them. But a I lot don't. of people don't. But there's, like, a small collective of people who actually, like, enjoy Rob Zombie's, at least the first Halloween movie... The second one was a bit out there. Yeah. But it like the newer Halloweens, it had graphic kills, um, very colorful as term in terms of like artistic because I think the thing I like about Rob Zombie's room movies is that he's very hands on with the artistic side of making a movie. Like when you watch the behind the scenes stuff, he gets really involved with the costume designs, the set designs, the color and lighting. Um, he's very like hands-on in the art department, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And he's very like, he's, he's a very interesting director. Um, but yeah, I, I liked yeah. his, I liked his remake. When you, yeah, met, I mean, I, uh, I appreciate kind of how I like it when a filmmaker, all of their movies not look the same, but they all, all of his movies look like the Rob Zombie movies. Right. Um, so I tell, like that yeah. he kind of has like a, an aesthetic that is like kind of his. Um, yeah. There's it's a lot a- of things I didn't like about, I didn't really, I don't like about other choices he makes. Um, but I like aesthetically, I, I totally understand that. I, are you guys excited about the monsters yes i i am i'm pumped for it because i grew up watching I, the show and i haven't but i'm interested to see how the monsters turn out because just watching the trailer alone you know like you said he's got an aesthetic that has so, almost become like a trademark or a watermark to him it's yeah. like his own little signature in horror movies but this one is different for sure especially it doesn't have all the craziness of like Rob Zombie movies and he's really taking the influence from the TV show and putting it in his own for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh I mean I I I also grew up watching the monsters and uh he's got another like within the last year uh you know rewatched the whole series. So I'm like I'm kind of excited but I'm also like I, I, I don't know like every time I've all of the other like remakes um, anytime it wasn't the original uh, actor playing Herman, mm-hmm. it just kind of loses its. Uh, it it just doesn't do it for me. So yeah. especially I, Fred I, Quinn, I, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think his performance in like in the show The Monsters is so good, and like you know, I, I, like I found myself 
almost every single episode of that show, like I find myself like laughing out loud at something he does specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, and so some of much, so much of my like positive feelings about that show are more related to how he plays that character. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely going to watch the, the remake, but I have, I have, and I have, I have very low expectations. And then if it's better than that, then I'll mm-hmm. just be pleasantly surprised. See, yeah. yeah, and I feel like that's how a lot of people are going into Rob Zombie's stuff lately. It's like they don't want to put too high of an expectation to it, and then it turned to shit. Because I, that's kind of how I felt when I watched Three from Hell. Because yeah. I watched House of a Thousand Corpses. I thought it was good. I thought Devil's Rejects was better. But when I watched Three from Hell, I was like, okay, I know this is going to be like the trilogy. Like series of the Firefly family, and I also know that this is the last time that we see Sid Haig play Captain Spaulding because he died prior to the release of this movie. So I was like, okay, I gotta go in this with some level of enthusiasm. And then I watched it, and I was like, okay, still stays true to its aesthetic. It's very gory. It's very off-the-wall bonkers. And Mm -hmm. I've come to really like, like Richard Brake's performances as like a crazy maniac type type of character. Because I've seen him in other stuff besides Rob Zombie's movies, and he's really good. But then, you know, somewhere along the way, it just kind of like loses the focus of the plot. And I'm like, well, it was good, but it wasn't as great as the last movie. So that's kind of, that was my expectation going into Three from Hell. Yeah. But I've heard Lords of Salem was, like, one of his better movies, and I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen Three from Hell either. Like, I've, I saw the other two, but it's been uh, a couple years, so I I don't really... And as we've already established, my memory is not great, so I don't really remember a whole lot about this movie. It's okay, no judging, so yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, but uh, I will say, especially with the monsters, I'm definitely going to recap on the show, too, because it's been a long time since I watched it. And uh, also... It's all all on Peacock. Oh, yeah, it is, right? Yeah, it is on Peacock. Yeah, Yeah. shit. I forgot about that. And the monsters is coming out in a few days on Netflix. Yep, and also I see that also the rival show always was the Adams Family, and they're coming out with their Wednesday, uh, Wednesday show. See, I never, I never got into the Adams family. Really, um, See, so when I was a kid, and <laughs> like, and so because I'm, I'm kind of a completist. Um, <laughs> I always like want to like start at the beginning. Um, we had put on the first episode of the Adams Family show. Yeah, I um, love, I love the Adams Family show. So good. And it just, and this was like right after we had finished the monsters, though, mm-hmm. and it's just such a different tone that it just wasn't what we were like. I, I just didn't get into it. So I'm, I'm sure it gets better. I just, you know, it just wasn't what you were into. Right. Just the vibe yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, interesting. There's always, I was going to say, there's always a million things to watch. So. Yeah. Right. And Gomez and then, is a very horny person. So yes. Well, it's sure. interesting because I grew up on Adam's family. You grew up on Munsters. Colin grew up on both. So we kind of have this weird, like, different opinions of each yeah i love the adams family it's one of my favorite kind of like spooky family uh sitcoms Mm -hmm. but i mean the 
shows were pretty good. The movies, especially the 90s ones with um, Angel- Angelica Houston, were really good. The cartoons are From pretty, the, pretty quirky. The, the How I got into the Adams Family was because when I was a kid... And when I was like two or so, my family was watching the Adams Family movies. And just around that time when they were coming out with the movies, they had the TV, the cartoon show that came out in the early 90s. And that was my favorite because just like that show, Beetlejuice, the cartoon series, was my favorite too. So I watched both of them when I was a kid. And it's just, just the humor of it was just ridiculous. Yeah, I've been, I've been meaning to, to watch. I haven't, I, I don't think I ever saw the Beetlejuice movie uh, and like the movie it's just one that kind of flew under my radar and it's one I've been it's it's on my watch list yeah. so one of these days I'll have to you'll watch it yeah watch. you gotta watch it. it's worth yeah. it yeah yeah that's Lily she's that, scratching herself that's Lily she's scratching herself <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah well, anything else you guys wanted to you have any other questions for me um, yeah. I think we got everything for the most part, yeah. especially with uh, Sleepaway Camp, because I feel like we got everything with that. And overall, with Sleepaway Camp, it's a great entertaining movie, but it, in all of our opinions, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I had fun yeah. watching it. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's a pretty good like franchise. Like, and, yeah, um, I mean, it's it's uh, it keeps. Like you were saying, it kind of makes up for at least the kills are interesting, even yeah. when the other elements of the movies kind of fall short. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things, too, I was going to say earlier when we were talking about, like, how we uh, look up new movies to, like, watch. One of the things I've been doing lately is, like, there's documentaries on Shudder. Like, we watched the In Search of Darkness documentary on Shudder, uh-huh. and it, it really just covers a lot of different aspects of 80s horror and they kind of highlight certain movies. Like I discovered the movie Chopping Mall through that documentary. I love that movie. Mm, yeah, it was, movie. that was another one that was fun to watch. And great then yeah. they just started this series called um, "101 Scariest Moments of Horror," and it's kind of broken yeah. up into like episodes and in increments of like eleven each. They're kind of doing the same way what they did with the hundred and one scariest moments on that came out in Bravo or sci fi back in two thousand four. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, and also kinda of like they did with the Dalmatians. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think they're very much influenced by that movie. Yeah. But they've they've been like showcasing a lot of different like movies on that countdown. There's like a lot of good ones that I haven't seen yet that look really good. Like I was showing Colin the other day. They talked about this one movie called uh, Terrified. It's an Argentinian horror movie that I've never heard of, but it's supposed to be like a paranormal, almost ghost and zombie type of movie. It's very, very creepy the way they show it. And then there was this one scene in particular about a little zombie boy that was just very horrifying to watch because it's very unsettling. He just sits there and he doesn't, you don't see him move. Yeah. But they're like, how did he get back into the house? Like, because he's dead. So he's like, he's just sitting there. And then they, you know, turn off the lights and they look, look away. And suddenly the this, this glass of milk spills mm-hmm. over. And they don't show him knock it over. But because it's sitting, like, right in front of him at the table and it's not gotten knocked over, they're like, he must have knocked it over. Like, it's just this one, it's, you know, there's no words, but it's like this <laughs> mutual understanding that, that, that boy just knocked over that milk. <laughs> he really did not want milk. 
Like literally. no, but it was. It's an interesting movie. I gotta find it. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta find it and watch it because it looks really fucking weird. Oh my nice. god! And the kid was like clean and like hitting the window, and the kid's just like moving his head. The zombie kid moving his head like it was like some kind of like hard thing to move. Like it made like a hard sound when it was moving his head. Mm-hmm. It's like cement moving. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> if that makes sense. But yeah, those are really good. Like, those are fun ways for me to like get introduced into other like horror movies. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I feel like that's why everyone should do watch countdowns or documentaries and that's how they can get their like taste into horror or any type of like movies they want to watch you know scanners was another movie i got into i love scanners that's a good one because of uh in search of darkness yeah yeah actually i have a funny story about that so when i was watching I've, i've watched scanners way before all that and last year me and my buddy mike jacobs we were in chicago for riot fest and we stayed at uh, we stayed at his buddy's house, and they're all in a band from Chicago called Butchered. And the drummer from that band is actually what is he? Um, he's I think he said he was the grandson or the nephew to Michael Ironside from Scanners. Oh yeah, you did tell me okay. that. Cool. Yeah, which and I was he like, told really me that. And he told me That's his last name, and I checked on the Wikipedia, and his last name he's related to Michael Ironside, not the last name of Ironside, but he had a different last name. And it was basically right. like his, like um, his wife, like his sister's family, or something like that. And he's like the nephew or something to Michael Ironside. And I'm like, that is nuts because <laughs> I love Michael Ironside. I always wanted to meet him. I just want him to give him give me that stern look on his face like he does with Scanners. <laughs> I want that. Nice. Yeah, that was yeah. a cool show or movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. I love it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but other than that, I think we got everything for the most part. Yeah. Throw out my plugs. Yeah, uh, tell tell us where we can listen to you. Okay, so uh, look up So I've Been Told wherever you find podcasts. Yeah. Um, it is my podcast where I talk to people about punk rock and DIY culture in general. My most recent episode, I had uh, Lexi Rangoot from, I don't know how to say her last name, um, but she's a vocalist in Spaced, um, the super cool hardcore band from Buffalo. Nice. Um episode before that i had jimmy stat from polar bear club on Which, i love that uh, i love jimmy uh if you scroll back quite a ways you can find an episode with colin as well which um, yeah. which i will say that is actually the most listened to episode of history of so i've been told more than any not, other episode that's not true it is, it is true. A, it, a lot of people listen to your episode a lot, a lot of people want to hear what you have to say more more but, than uh, anyone listened to five for frenzy which i feel like i took that goal no i think i think <laughs> i think Leonor's episode got more plays than yours but anyway damn it um <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> just so but yeah uh, check out so i've been told also um check out um there's not really much of a place to check us out online yet, um, but oh, I am yeah. in a band called Pitch Macadam, yep. um, and you can find, I believe we have an Instagram page, um, so look us up on Instagram, I believe it's at Pitch Macadam, um, you'll see updates on there, we're working on our demo, and that's with, uh, um, if you're, I don't, you know, I'm assuming most of the people listening are probably people you guys know in Rochester, so it's... You know, John Kiss, um, yeah. who's in Sawed Off and was an endangered youth and a 
bunch of other bands. He's playing bass in that band, and uh, yeah. the legendary Tim Avery is also in that band yeah. with me. I know Timmy. Uh, <laughs> yep, and we're playing we're playing a show October 29th in Syracuse. So if you happen to be in Syracuse, um, check that out, and we'll have a demo coming out pretty soon. Awesome. Um, and that's it for me i also will say um my good buddy travis is making a travis and is making a movie called blue murder yeah um he's got a proof of concepts um on his youtube um which you can find just look up uh blue murder proof of concept and you know look him up on youtube because he's doing really cool stuff just uh want to Shout out the homie. Yeah, I so, love Travis. He's such a great guy. Nice. Well, thank you guys for having me on. This has been real fun. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you for thank you for being yeah. on. Like, I'm so glad that you uh, like wanted to do this with us. I'll, I'll come back if you'll have me. I'll, I'll nerd out about horror movies. I'm down. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anytime. We'll always invite you back, buddy. But no. Nice. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Love you, man. Love you too. Peace. Well, this was a really good episode. <laughs> yes, I feel it like. was. This was really fun, and usually when we do these podcast episodes, it's just Colin and I. I enjoyed our conversation today with Adam, and I do hope to have him on the podcast again. Oh, but yeah, we can always do that. What do you have to say about this before we sign off? What I have to say about this, it was very fun for me to catch up with Adam because I love Adam so much. We've gone, we go back way, way back, and he's always been such a wonderful person, such a great guy to talk to about different things about music and life and movies and just for him and me to connect with horror movie to connect with horror movies it just really brings more of the friendship in there like mm-hmm. it really it really brings us more closer and i love that and i mean this was a good interview i definitely do want to do more of these i've this i feel like we had such a successful interview with adam today that i've got an entire list of people i would like to also get on the podcast me and too Eventually, we'll have more guests on, but I feel like today was a total success, so I'm very excited about this one. And so if you guys really enjoyed this, I encourage you to give us a good rating wherever you listen to your podcast. I know Spotify and Apple iTunes has a rating system. If you're listening to either through one of those platforms, just give us a rating. It helps boost our views and promotes our show immensely. Exactly. Yep. And spread the word to your friends. Like if anybody out there enjoys horror as much as we do and likes horror conversations and, and discussions. And come check us out. You yeah, know. please check us out. Give Adam Kramer's podcast a listen to also. Yep. And, so I've been told. Yes. And with that... Stay tuned for next week's episode. And this has been the Abbey Normal Podcast, and I am your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off, saying eat shit and live.